it's double for you to be here, so we're just... Uh, we're grateful that you're here. Uh, in case you don't know who I am, I'm Jordan Eckes, and I get the privilege of being uh, the minister here at the Etna Green Church of Christ, and it's a, a joy to serve alongside uh, the Etna Green Church of Christ. And uh, so today I'm starting a, a quick little detour from our series. We've been walking through the book of Exodus, um, and I thought by the time we get to my Christmas series, you guys are going to be tired of Exodus. Uh, but I came up with the perfect title for my Christmas series. I'm calling it Xmas, and it's going to be the Exodus story in Christmas. And it's like, man, this is too good. So thank you, Zach. Slow, ca uh, slow clap and applause. Uh, so, um, you know, I've been at it for a little while. I, I might get the hang of it. So we're going to do a little detour, and, and I thought we would spend the next four weeks uh, looking at four questions that Jesus asked. And the four questions that Jesus asks all have this sort of thing uh, that leads us towards discipleship. Like, what does it mean to trust Christ and to walk with him? And what is it that we believe about Jesus? And so Jesus asks great questions that helps his disciples discern for themselves Jesus' identity, who he is, and what he's about. And today we're going to look at one of the most important and foundational questions. Who is it? that they say I am. Who is it that you say I am? We're going to study in Matthew chapter 16, and as you find your place there, let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we are so grateful uh, to be together today to focus on you amid all of the distractions, all of the hurry, all of, of life. Lord, we've settled down for a moment to listen to you. And so as we ask a question of who we say Jesus is, let us leave here convicted once again of what we maybe said a long time ago, of convictions of our heart, a conviction within our own spirit, of Jesus' identity and what he's about. And God, may this reminder today catch us up into your kingdom and the things that you're doing the way that you're loving the world, may we find ourselves within it. God, in hurrying and scurrying through our life and focusing on so many other things, catch us up into your will and your desires. And so today, Lord, as we just give a, a moment to study your word and be drawn to scripture and to the truths that are there, may your spirit speak to us, give us conviction and passion and a, and find ourselves more and more in love with you and what you're doing. So we thank you, God, for today. Open our hearts now. Bless us as uh, your children. Give us encouragement today. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in Matthew chapter 16. It's kind of hard to just hop into a middle into the middle of a book, but uh, as we as we know, Matthew's a, a gospel book. It's going to teach us all about Christ. And, and uh, we are in the sort of middle of Jesus' ministry. He's already been hanging out for a while, and he's, uh, he's done many miracles. And his name is beginning to spread as, uh, as someone who uh, might be a possible Messiah, as one who is worth following. And so as Jesus is sort of gaining in popularity, and he's already sort of confronting 
quite a few people like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and other Jewish legal experts of the day. Jesus is getting a sort of contentious group, and he's getting a group of people that are excited about who he is and what he's about. And so Jesus asks a question to sort of get a clarification as to what people are saying about who he is. He's trying to sort of have a defining moment with the disciples and understanding, are they catching along with with what I am sharing with them? Are they understanding who I am and what I'm about? It's an important question for all of us to reflect on as well, and, and we will get into that. So in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13, and you can get this story in Mark and Luke, and so it seems like it's a pretty important one if all three uh, of the synoptic gospels have it. So Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Continuing on, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and he began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall, not, uh, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death, before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Jesus is discreetly asking a question to his disciples. What are folks saying about me? You know, and you know, before you could just, you know, after that, now we can just go to Facebook and type in your name and you'll see all kinds of things about yourself, right? But Jesus is asking a question. My ministry's been going on long enough now. What are people saying about me? And they say, they said, well, there, there's murmurings about you. Some, some folks are saying Elijah. Some say John the Baptist. Some say Jeremiah. And what they are saying is, is that Jesus is a prophet. Now, this is a compliment to Jesus' ministry. This is saying of Jesus 
that here's a guy who is speaking against the wickedness of the world and he's speaking out against the injustices of everything that is going on. And so that's what the prophets did. The prophets, if they saw a problem where God's people were deviating from God's plan, the prophet's job was to say, hey guys, hold up, we're off track. And so a lot of people are complimenting Christ when they say Elijah, John the Baptist, and Jeremiah. They are saying, Here's a guy who's speaking truth to power. Here's a guy who's speaking out against the injustices that we see, and he's doing something about it. And so as we navigate this story, we, we get a sense of, like, Jesus' popularity is probably, this is the reason why uh, some folks don't like him, because the folks in power are looking at a guy that's looking like a prophet, who's calling them out. And it's the religious experts who are upset with Jesus because he's, you know, he's kind of raking them over the coals and he's calling them hypocrites. And, you know, what did John the Baptist say about the religious leaders? He, you know, he was highly complimentary, right? Calling them a brood of vipers. You know, if you ever want to, like, scold your children, just call them a brood of vipers. And see, you know, they probably start scratching their heads. And like, what are you talking about, Dad? But, uh, but John the Baptist's ministry was one to call uh, call out the sort of hypocrisy of what people uh, were doing. And so this is, in a way, complimentary of Christ. But Jesus knows uh, of his own identity better, and he, but he asks the question further and says, well, who is, who is it that you say I am? What is it that you say? And Peter, in this you know, rare moment where Peter gets things right, you know, Peter, he's kind of an up-and-down roller coaster of a friend he gets it exactly right peter says and he well you're the christ you are the messiah you are the son of god you are the son of the living god and when peter says this jesus is like bingo you're right jackpot you got the answer and he goes on to say the most, one of the most influential statements. He says, Peter, your name means the rock, and from now on we're going to call you the rock because the church is going to be built on this knowledge, in this understanding, in this confession that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Messiah, that it all rides on him and nothing else and no one else. It's all on Christ, this one who's the living one who's going to redeem and save and rescue. It's all in this statement that Jesus is is the son of god that he is the messiah and we're going to build my church jesus barely talks about the church but he talks about the church now and he says this is what i'm going to build the church on and the gates of death won't prevail against this church and so jesus is building up and and helping people know and understand that this is what the community of believers are going to be founded on is this statement that jesus is the christ and that, friends, is part of my excitement for this text is a reminder of our identity. That as we find ourselves together trying to navigate the world and what is our foundation, our foundation, our rock is this statement that Jesus is the Christ. That's what forms us. That's who we are. That is our foundation. No one else, nothing else is Jesus. And he's the one who has called us and redeemed us. He's the one who is the rescuer of from sin and the rescuer of death he is the one who is building the church it's him and it's him alone and it's through his spirit through god the father that is building us together that is who we are 
Jesus is the Christ. There is no entry. So Gary or Barry, if you wanted to go down and hit the manual on-off button on the baptistry, it may keep doing that. I wanted to make sure little Addie didn't freeze to death. Uh, that means it's working. That's good news for Addie and Dan. But I forgot to hit a button. You know, you can't do it all. Uh, Should have wrote a memo, a little note reminder. All right, so, uh, so, but that's a critically important thing. When we understand our identity, our life together is rooted and established in this confession. This is foundational for everything we do out as our ministry goes into the world and as our ministry together in our fellowship and our life together, this is our foundation. This is our anchor. It's the rock we build our lives on. Jesus is the Christ. And nothing prevails against it. The word there, uh, depending on what translation you're using, well, if you, if you use the, the Greek and it tells you uh, what's there, it's the word Hades. Uh, it's not the word Gehenna. And I think we've thought that the word there was Gehenna and not Hades. And if I can have a brief detour, Hades is the place of the dead. Like if you were to talk to a Greek person and say, where do people go when they die? You would say, Hades. And the Hebrew word for that was Sheol. The place of the dead was Sheol. So if you read in the Psalms and you read the word Sheol, that's the place of the dead. And so Jesus is saying, my church is greater than death itself. We will build the church that will overcome the gates of Hades, the gates of death. There is, uh, so that's really actually important because there's been a sort of, you can take divergent paths if you put the word hell there and then you think Jesus is going up against a guy with pitchforks and, you know, doing battle with Satan. And, And Jesus does do battle with Satan. But what this is saying to you is Jesus is communicating the church is greater than death and nothing will overcome it. Does that make sense? All right. That little divergent path aside, I want to sort of personalize this and, and, and make things a little more applicable, but we need to understand what is meant by Messiah. What is meant by Peter saying, Jesus, you are the Messiah? And if you want to understand that, you sort of have to go back (laughs) into Scripture. You have to go backwards to understand what Jesus is doing moving forward. And and what Jesus, or what Peter means by Messiah, in some ways, he has the picture a little bit wrong. And we'll, we'll cover that, because that's the reason why Peter gets rebuked in a moment. But to understand the Messiah, Peter was saying, Jesus is the one who's going to be the one who sets things to right. Israel is not where it wants to be as, as far as God's sort of distinct people who are set apart. There's lots of things going on. One, they're in the middle of the Roman Empire. They don't really have things going their way. And so for some of them, there was this expectation that the Messiah would come and restore Israel and restore all of the injustice, that he would right the wrongs and he would supplant Whatever ruler is, uh, is ruling over them, this king would come and he would set things right and he would start ruling over his kingdom. And so in part, Peter's not wrong, but Peter's vision is too small. Peter's vision of the Messiah is sort of local 
and it's not as global as maybe as it should be, and it was maybe thinking a little bit too much uh, physically and not enough spiritually of what Jesus was going to do. And so he thinks that Jesus is the Messiah, and that means that he's going to pick up his sword, that means that he's going to get a bunch of troops and a bunch of believers to join along with him, and let's go take Jerusalem back. And so Peter's mind is that they're going to go lead a charge against the, uh, against, uh, the Roman Empire, against Caesar, and they are going to take Jerusalem back for God. And Peter uh, is wrong in this approach. But he's not wrong in understanding that the king is going to be supplanted by a greater king. And he's not wrong in believing that a greater kingdom is coming. He's just wrong in how God is going to do it. And we know the rest of the story. We know how it goes. But if we look at Jesus' rebuke, if we look at it with a little, um, little lens of what Jesus is trying to do, he's, he says, this is how we're going to do it. Whoever wants to follow me, if you want to join along with this mission to supplant the kingdoms of this world, if you want to join along with me in this journey, if you want to be a follower of mine, then you're going to have to take up a cross and follow me. If you want to save your life, you're going to have to lose it. And if you lose your life, then that's how you actually find it. And what good will it be for us to gain the whole world? What good will it be for us to take Jerusalem by storm? What good will it be for us to gain everything, yet we forfeit our souls in doing it? What can anyone exchange? Can, what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and he will reward each person according to what they've done. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. He tells Peter exactly how it's going to go down. He says, if you're going to follow me, you have to lose your life. I'm going to lose my life, and it's going to be picked back up. And so the challenge for us, the challenge for us may not be that do we believe Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of the living God. The challenge is, do you believe in Christ Jesus as the suffering servant who lays down his life? The challenge may not be that Jesus' identity as the Son of God is, is perplexing to you so much as that it's the way in which he is redeeming and saving the world. Have we, have we like Peter, had a misunderstanding of Jesus as Messiah? Do we believe him to be the one who's, uh, do we believe in his ways and following him who lays down his life, who rescues sinners from death, do we believe in him as the sort of selfless one who looks to the needs of others over himself? Do we believe in his ways and the ways of his kingdom? And so the question of who, does, who do we say Jesus is? What do we say about him? Well, there comes with it a certain set of convictions, a certain set of understanding about how the world works and who's running it. And when we are invited into the way of God and the way of Christ, we are invited to see him that humility is the way forward. We are invited to see him that it's through kindness and gentleness. We're, we're invited to see him as a suffering and loving servant for the world. When we 
confess him, we give our loyalty and our allegiances to the ways of this kingdom. When we confess him as Lord and Messiah, we are saying, I will give you my life and all that I am and all that I have. When we confess Christ, we are giving him all worship and glory and praise above anything and everything. That Christ is the center of our lives, and so we give him worship and devotion, commitment, and all that we do. To say Jesus is the Christ is one thing, but to live as though he is your Christ, and that his ways are above any other way. That's the challenge, right? And so go do better. <laughs> no, <laughs> right? That's... That's the uh, Bob Newhart way of counseling, right? Just stop it and do better, right? And if Jesus is the Messiah, then he is worthy of all glory. He receives our faith and our loyalty. So it's important to grow in our understanding and the meaning and implication of this truth. Do you believe Jesus to be the Messiah? And if you do, then let's remind ourselves our foundation. We are built together in Christ. And we are finding our way together about what it means to put Christ first in everything and all that we do. The what I understand about who Jesus is affects every step of my life. It's how I navigate my marriage. It's how I raise my children. It's how I live in the community. If Jesus is the Christ, then it impacts everything I do. Jesus says, I'm going to build my church this way. And then he also says, whatever you forgive will be forgiven. However you love, however you care for others, I'm right there with you. And that's the challenge. Would, you, would we build a community that centers its life on Christ and his identity? And then would we go and love and forgive and engage the world the way Christ is calling us to Who do you say Jesus is? Well, we should do something together, and we will in a moment. We'll do it all together because it is our foundation in our life, and it's, be, it's become known as the good confession of faith, that I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I take him as my Lord and my Savior. You're asking him to lead you, and redeem you. He is our only hope. He is your only hope. To rescue you from sin and death and to bring you into a community of life and freedom and hope in the kingdom of God. I hope today is a reminder of something you may have said a long time ago. I hope today is maybe a challenge or an encouragement to think about, do you still believe it today? Is there anyone other than Jesus that you want to build your life on? Who do you say Jesus is? And when you start with that answer, then you can build your life. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you for today. We were reminded of a question from a long time ago that still matters today. And who we say that your son is. And God, sometimes we say it with our mouths and our actions reflect otherwise. 
So I'd ask God that you would stir in our hearts and help us to know today where there is sin, where there is brokenness, where there are things where we have diverged from the church and the community and, uh, and the kingdom of what you're building. Align us back with you. And Lord, I know that that prayer could come with hurt and suffering and grief. But it's better, Lord, for us to hurt and find our way with you than to ignore the path you've set before us. So stir in our hearts, God, and help us to know of your love and your grace today. We love you and we confess Christ as King, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right, I